and welcome in. It's a special pregame edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Of course, the Bucks up two games to one in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Atlanta Hawks after pulling away in the fourth quarter, 113-102, to the final score. Uh, that was on Sunday night in Atlanta. The two teams back at State Farm Arena as I tape this coming up tonight. This is going to be a short, sweet, to the point, very easily digestible preview edition of the uh, podcast on the crossover. Ted Davis and I had a chance to catch up with Ted's broadcast partner on the Bucks Radio Network, Dennis Krause. And we asked Dennis, first of all, before we started previewing Game 4, Trey Young listed as questionable, by the way, with that uh, sore ankle, as he just kind of accidentally backed into a referee uh, late in the third quarter on Sunday night. But we asked Dennis Krause specifically about Chris Middleton and his 20-point fourth quarter. Well, you know, we've seen this before with Chris, and it, obviously it came at a great time. I thought, and I'm not making any excuses for the Hawks, but I, I do think the Trey Young injury kind of shifted uh, how things played out. And I'm not saying the Bucks wouldn't have won the game if he'd been healthy, but it, it certainly lined things up nicely for the Bucks. And you know, it's, it's funny. I guess I've gotten so used to the Bucks rallying and being uh, resilient that even when they were down 15 in the first quarter, I, you know, it wasn't a panic thing because it is such a long game. Is that because the Bucks have more talent than Atlanta, or they just have been resilient throughout the course of the season? In your opinion, I think it's a combination, Doug. I think uh, I think we're finding out how talented this Bucks team is and how versatile. I mean, you look at a guy like Bobby Portis, who you know, for coaching decisions, was not used the last three games of the Brooklyn series, and he's been tremendous in this Atlanta series, and he's not a starter. So that shows you the roster that John Horst and his staff and Mike Budenholzer have assembled. Um, I do think they're more talented than the Hawks. I, I think the Hawks, everything would have to go right for them to pull off this series. Bogdanovich would have to be 100% healthy and hitting shots, and he's not. I think they miss DeAndre Hunter's defense, just to be honest with you. And even if Young plays the rest of the series, you have to think he's going to be less than 100%. So all things right now seem to be pointing the Bucks' way. Uh, joined by Dennis Krause. He's my broadcast partner on uh, Bucks Home Games, and we'll be back together on Thursday. Also find his work at Spectrum News uh, on your cable. Well, uh, you know, you talked about effect on a game, and, and Drew Holiday had a bad shooting game last night. I think he was 2 for 11. But the, you look at the box score, he had 12 assists, and one turnover in the game, proving that you can affect the game without scoring. Yeah, I think we're all guilty sometimes of, of uh, focusing too much on the shooting, whether a guy's hot or cold. But you're absolutely right. A guy can still make uh, great contributions to, to a game, even if he's not hot. I, I look at Drew Holiday this way. Um, I know he's missed shots <laughs> in this playoff run. I mean, he had the 33 points um in game two, but for the most part, he has not been a, a huge scorer in these playoffs. But there still has not been one moment in the playoff run where I've thought, you know what, he's not an upgrade over what they had in the past. I, I always view him as a positive because of the defense he plays. Speaking of maybe falling into a narrative and being guilty of that, the national media and I think some fans have taken shots at Chris Middleton over the years of folding up when crunch time arrived, especially in the playoffs. Can we put that finally to bed once and for all after this postseason? 
He would be nice, but you know what? Um, he did the same thing last year against Miami, and the criticism still came. So uh, you're, you're exactly right. For whatever reason, he's a polarizing figure. Um, my theory is that sometimes he catches, he catches the flack um, that people would want to get put on other players on the team, and for whatever reason, he's a lightning rod. But I, I agree. He's, he's someone that should be appreciated for who he is and what he does. Now, who he is is some nights he's not going to have it going, okay? He's not going to shoot like he did last night all of the time. But that doesn't mean that he's not worth what he's making for the Bucks. Uh Talking to Dennis Krause, uh, in this highlight reel era where you want slam dunks on the four-letter network, jump shooting can be kind of boring. But, uh, you know, you look at his final stats last night, not only did he have 38 points, he had 11 rebounds and 7 assists. Damn, that's a stat line. Yeah, what I love about Chris Middleton, what I've always loved about him, is that he is never going to go out of his way to seek the attention. Uh, you know, he just goes about his business, and you could take a, for the most part, there's a few few exceptions when he gets excited, but for the most part, you could take a, a still shot of him and not know if the Bucks are up 10 and he's hot, or they're down 10 and he's cold. He, he keeps the same flatline expression for the most part he's he's a he's an assassin but he doesn't you know be exuberant about it or say look at me i'm this great star that's just not who he is and i love that about him that he's comfortable with the player that he's become and you know it's been said before so i'm not saying anything that hasn't been said but this guy was a throw-in in the brandon jennings brandon knight deal and look what he's become i mean can we just appreciate that the second-round pick out of Texas A&M has blossomed into a guy that can be what he is. The flip side to that, though, um, is his running mate, Giannis Adetokounmpo, who is so dominant inside, but every time he lines up a three-pointer, I don't know about you, but I get tense. I mean, real tense. I, I it. How do you feel when he's lining up that shot that he insists at times as though he's going to you know, become an outside shooter when he's so incredibly dominant and unguardable at times underneath? Well, I, I'd be less than honest if I didn't say that sometimes uh, it, it doesn't make me happy. But I understand the thought process. I don't think he's ever thinking he's going to be Kevin Durant. He's just thinking he can stretch a defense, make them more honest for him and everybody else if he makes an occasional three, which he does. Uh, now, it's easy for me and other people to say, well, go inside. And, you know, that's where the pounding takes place. And, uh, you know, you're, that shortens your career because you're hacked to death every time you go in there. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, I would rather have him shooting short shots than threes. I, I, I'd be lying if I said differently. And I think the Bucks coaching staff feels that way too. But I think you have to trust his instincts that he, he at crucial times, will not hoist the three. And he'll only hoist the three if he really thinks it will be a benefit to his team. Longtime Bucks broadcaster and longtime sportscaster Dennis Krause joining Ted Davis and I on the crossover. Also on Monday on the crossover on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee and all around the state on great stations like WNFL in Green Bay and WTSO in Madison. We had a chance to catch up with Bucks beat writer Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And we asked Jim about just exactly how quiet State Farm Arena got as the game bore on into the fourth quarter on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 I mean, it got quiet, I would say, when Chris Middleton 
scored the 17th. Uh, it's not straight, but essentially 17 of his 20 points came, you know, in that final seven minutes to like three, that four minute period. You know, they were still kind of in it, you know, um, you know, guys were still making some baskets. Um, but yeah, it got, and then people started leaving. You know, once they went up seven in a couple minutes, it was, you know, a, a weekend in Atlanta, Ted. I, I definitely think it quieted down. And especially once two, you know, Trey, Trey's return, he hit that three, put him up seven. I mean, that got it rolling. And so it took a little bit, uh, but Chris Middleton definitely did his part to quiet it down. You know, I know Middleton is sometimes inconsistent, but that's what shooters do. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. But is it time for the anti-Middleton people to recognize what an overall terrific basketball player he is? You look at his stat line last night. It wasn't just the points. 38 points, but 11 rebounds and 7 assists to go along with it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, coming onto the beat, Ted, um, it was one of those things where I wasn't (laughs) quite sure why that was the case. I I think it's because, you know what, it, it, there's a little bit of a parallel, I think, Ted, to how Giannis is perceived nationally. Like, Chris gets his differently. It looks different, right? Like, there aren't the flashy dunks. There aren't the step-back fades. There aren't the 30-footers or logo shots. Like, he just kind of piles it up. And, you know, even in Milwaukee, and you know this, Ted, I mean, there's there's people in his own town that, uh, you know, he, he's the one that's got to go. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I think championships flip all of those things. Um, I, I think it's clear he has to play at that level, you know, maybe not 38, but you know, mid twenties for this team to win a championship. So I, I think unfortunately for a guy like him, he may need that. I, you know what I mean? Like, or, or kind of, he kind of drifts into that territory of, of those really good bucks, all-stars, from the eighties that couldn't get over the hump, you know, Giannis, I think, you know, he's a hall of famer already with the MVPs. Um, but Chris, I think is a guy who may need the ring to, you know, to, to further that, I guess, even, even in his own town. How do you manage Giannis's calf injury, knowing that you still have six wins left to go, but Atlanta right now, especially with the news that has come out about Trey young with the bone bruise, he's questionable for tomorrow night's uh, game four. How, if you're Mike Budenholzer, how do you manage the minutes and the workload on that ailing calf? Yeah, it's tough because Giannis is not a guy who wants to come out of games um, if he's feeling okay. I, I think you obviously you manage it, and if he's good, and it's like game three, and he can start, you kind of want to. Depends on your point about how quiet the arena got. You kind of want to end it early, game four, right? You know, get get out. Don't don't fall down by fifteen and have to work back. You know, put and then maybe that way you can sub. And Bobby Portis is playing well. They they changed up the defense enough to, um, you know, accentuate some of his things and not force him to drop. And, and so if you continue that, coupled with giving Giannis some maybe extra blows, I think that's important. It's definitely not in the spot, guys, where you just say, oh, play him twenty minutes, concede a game. You just don't. Even with Trey Young likely being either out or totally affected, you just you got to get to the finals. And it fast and get, what, five five days off in between. Yeah, there'll be some time between uh, the conference finals and the NBA finals, which will begin on July 8th. Uh, Lady Luck sometimes will just stick it right to you in a bad way. 
But then every now and then it just looks with great favor on you, and it's happening for the Bucks in the last two series. Of course, we know about Harden and Irving. Bogdanovich is a shell of himself right now with Atlanta. And then of all things, this is the freakiest thing. Trey Young steps on a referee's foot last night and sprains his ankle. Man, Lady Luck is shining right now. Right, Ted. And that's the thing. I mean, Drew Holiday probably said it best and most bluntly after – Irving got hurt where he was like, well, you know, too bad for them. Great for us. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, unless you're the 72 and 10 Bulls, unless you're, I mean, look, even Golden State lost. So unless you're one of those rare teams in all sports that just pound everyone, and there's only a handful, um, there things like this happen en route to a championship, they're just forgotten. You know, well, it's a talking point now. It'll be a talking point coming to the finals if they finally face a healthy, you know, let's say Phoenix team. Um, you know, Chris Paul's shoulder's good and Devin Booker's good without the mask. Um, you know, we'll see. But if they win, it's just going to be they beat, you know, they beat the Hawks, they beat Brooklyn, they beat Miami. No one's going to remember, other than, you know, the fan bases in those other respective cities, what could have been. It's just... You know what I mean? It is part of it. You need you need to stay healthy, and you need that stuff to happen. It feels like we're talking about a football game, guys. To be right. honest, but it's uh, it, it, it's it's very true, Ted. Uh, credit to Bobby Portis for not pouting when he was out of the rotation for three games in a row in the Net series, and now he's been a big part of what the Bucks have done here in this series. No, that's true, and that that is a credit to him to Jeff Teague, um, Bryn Forbes even. I mean, these guys were brought in to win a championship. Now, I'm sure at some point they thought their roles would be great all throughout. Um, they they sucked it up. They took it. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to say you're staying ready. It's another thing to actually do it. And clearly Bobby Portis was ready. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's coming up big in the series. Has he talked about – the, the fact that he wasn't in the rotation in the Brooklyn series? Has Mike Budenholzer talked about it at all as to why he wasn't more utilized in the net series? Because I think if there's any regrets, I mean, obviously they won the series, but if there's any regrets that maybe Budenholzer has, is that Portis wasn't part of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, Bobby wasn't, you know, in the Zoom format, guys, like Bobby wasn't available during the series, basically, because he didn't play. Um, So, you know, we, we kind of miss out on that you know, his point of view. And now that it's over and he's contributing, it's, it's kind of easy to look back and say, Oh yeah, it was, you know, it was great. Right. But it, now we did ask Mike Boonholzer quite a bit about it. And honestly, guys, it was one of those where it was a bad matchup. Um, and it, it, you know, Bobby wasn't the right defensive player. They were going small. And when the bucks go small and it's PJ Tucker and Giannis, if Brooke Lopez isn't on the floor, Bobby Portis isn't going to be on the floor. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, that's what it is. And look, when you go to seven men, basically, and maybe six and a half, because Bryn Lopez's minutes were really reduced. Um, that's just what it was. It, Brooklyn was the series that they had to ride the war horses. And, and they did. And now those guys can get, you know, a little bit of a breather with the rest of the bench contributing. You know, if your first year on the beat, they win a championship, you're going to tick me off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I do what I can. It's, uh, it, you know, the, the first year on the Packers beat, you know, Mike McCarthy was fired, and then they went to an NFC title game. So I, I try to sprinkle some 
magic dust guys when I'm around, but you know, there's no guarantee. You paid for it covering uh, the the Bengals all those years, I think. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bucks beat writer Jim Ozarski from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on the crossover on 97.3 The Game. That'll do it for this special preview edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Our next show will be a recap, hopefully a victorious recap of Game 4 at State Farm Arena in uh, Atlanta. And then, of course, the series shifts back home on Thursday night for Game 5. As I sit here right now, hopefully the Bucks can close it out uh, with a Game 5 victory, but they still have to win tonight in Atlanta as well. All right, that'll do it for the show. Uh, enjoy everything that we do leading up to the game and then after the game on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee, and then we'll have a recap for you right back here on the Doug Russell Podcast. Have a great Tuesday. Have a great Tuesday.